it's time for a breakdown. You're listening to Gap to Gap, brought to you by The Breakdown. That was drilled deep to left field. Going back, Joyce, looking up. See ya! 3,000 history with an exclamation point. Back to full. Red Sox fans have longed to hear it. The Boston Red Sox are world champions. Swing and a drive to deep right, away back, goal! Jason Giambi has done it! Alright, welcome in. It is episode three of uh, Gap to Gap, brought to you by The Breakdown Sports. I'm Tommy Caricelli. Joining me as always is real 7 Costanza at Real7Costanza on the Twitter, and Jordan Whitney, the El Jefe, Gordon Von Denham, at Gordon Von Denham on the Twitter machine. And gentlemen, a uh, little late this week. I apologize. Indians decided to to make a comeback in Boston, and I had to see it. Uh, first trip to Fenway Park, so I couldn't leave the, the cathedral early. So thank you guys for adjusting to to, to that. And, and Jordan, sorry I had to rain on your parade. It's quite all right. Uh, at least you got to experience a nice rain delay in Fenway. What did you do during the delay? Uh, for the first bit of it, I just kind of sat in my seat with a thumb up my ass, um, and and then and then I thought, let's turn this into content, and I filmed our first uh, ballpark review for the breakdown, and that will be coupled with some work that uh, Seven's going to do, and it's going to be the initial ballpark review. It's going to be a series that we have going all summer long, and I can't wait to bring that to you guys um, as soon as, you know, we can get, uh, as soon as we can get Seven out to the ballpark, and as soon as we can get uh, some more content made. I can't wait for it. So, moving past that, and, and moving past the, the fantastic Boston trip, um, Let's get to this week in baseball as we uh, we had our awesome little uh, Memorial Day weekend preview. We had our bets that we threw out and uh, not to flex my muscles, boys, but hmm. three and one dominating seven. You went two and two and our, our betting connoisseur <laughs> over. <laughs> That's why I don't bet series. <laughs> Fair enough. So uh, Ray's. Three and one over my tribe. Indians were playing bad baseball. That was an easy pick. Me and Seven had that one. Jordan, you you thought the tribe were going to wake up. What did you see? What did you guys see when we when we looked at that series this weekend? Uh, for me, I saw mostly what I kind of expected to see. Um, the Rays are just the better team, uh, and for at least at this juncture, I don't, I don't want to totally shit on the Indians, Tommy, but, um, go for it. We deserve for, it. Actually, no, we took two out of three with Boston now. So we're starting to, starting to wake it up, but you can, you can crush them for this past weekend. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 I saw, I saw basically what I had expected going into this. The Rays are just a better team. They're well-rounded, uh, for the most part, the bats are kind of quiet right now. Um, so if you're a Rays fan, if you're one of the, uh, 7,000 Rays fans out there, that might be concerning, but, the uh, the pitching's where it is. It's 
I believe it's just going to get better now. Um, this is, again, without their best pitcher, Glass now. So, um, yeah, I, it, there wasn't many surprises for me. There were, there were a few question marks I, I would still like answered um, regarding their hitting, and they'll have a big test this weekend um, coming up with the Twins. We can get into that later. But, yeah, for me it was just, you know, the Indians still can't score. Uh, their pitching seems to have taken a little bit of a hit. I know they're dealing with a lot of injuries, but – the Rays just looked like the better team, um, and that's why I picked them. So uh, nothing really out of the ordinary for me on this series at all. Jordan, what were you expecting the Indians to do this weekend that, that they didn't really? Um, score more runs, uh, to be Fair. honest. I actually I had seen the Rays starting to slip up, not a lot, uh, but they were kind of skidding against the Dodgers. And even the series before against the Yankees, they were starting to show signs of that rotation, or the shorthanded rotation, getting a little tired with only three legitimate starters and two openers. Um, so I just expected that the Indians would get the opportunity through a nice weekend series to put up a little bit more runs. Um, wasn't awful showing. They did end up taking one game, uh, three to one, which is nice to be able to limit the Rays to only one run when they are leading the league in some of the um, more premier hitting categories. But I was surprised to see that this series ended up being the highest scoring of the three series that we had, uh, with thirty runs scored. Yeah, I was just about to say that both of you guys mentioned uh, these teams' ability to score, and me and Seven both picked it as our least runs. And like you said, Jordan, uh, 30 runs between the two teams ended up being the most of the four series. And that's that's wild when you really think about it. Uh, I thought both these teams would come out pitching the ball a lot better um, and the bats would be a lot quieter. And the Indians' bats were quiet, in fairness. Um, But moving on to the next series, Phillies and Brewers. Phillies take two out of three. Uh, All of us hopped on the Brew crew. Seven, you picked as as your most runs, and unfortunately fall, fell just short by one. Um, boy, when you look at this Brewers team, this feel this felt like a very winnable series, a series they should have had. Yeah, no, for sure, and I, I think it goes back to just how the Brewers were hitting and the, versus the Phillies. The Phillies, for for whatever reason, I didn't watch every game, but I I did catch a few of the innings there um so i can't speak too closely on this one just because i kind of expected it to be a wrap for me uh, when i picked it but yeah i i think the phillies and bryce harper starting to heat up um so that helps but i always had question marks about the brewers and their pitching staff uh not so much their bullpen because josh Hader is amazing um but their starting rotation for me, it's just, it reminds me a lot like last year. Uh, there wasn't any crazy marketing improvements. Um, they're kind of rolling out with the same crew, no pun intended. Um, mm. as, <laughs> aside from Zach Davies, I can't really say anyone has impressed me too, too much. Um, so, And I think that came to play here, and especially against the Phillies. And the Phillies, for me, are just a team that they're going to rely on their bats most of the season. I know they have Aaron Nola. Um, but their bullpen is atrocious, and it's going to be an offense-heavy team moving forward. Um, and we kind of saw that in this series. Uh, I was just kind of I, – I thought the Brewers had a little bit more punch. But, you know, evidently uh, this series didn't show. But I still feel good about the both teams in general. I think these are going to be the two, uh, two of the top three teams in the NL moving forward. So I'm not too worried about it. I just think um, if, if I'm going to be a stickler on one thing, it's for, the, for each team, it's the Brewers – picking up a legitimate starter 
before the trade uh, trade deadline. And for the Phillies, they got to shore up that bullpen. Uh, I know they made a big investment in Dave Robertson. He's on the DL right now. Sorry, the IL. Um, so they got to do some things and, and switch it up because uh, they're going to run into competition all year, and that division is winnable. But they got to win it. So that's uh, that's my two cents. Jordan, what about you when you look at this Phillies team right now? Um, you know they lead the the ALE or NLE. I'm sorry, by three games over the Braves. Is this a division? Do you think they're going to run away with this? Do you think the Braves are going to put some heat on them? I think the Braves will end up making a little bit of a comeback. The Phillies went on a little bit of a tear there. They were seven and three in their last ten until today's game. They almost had a sweep over the Cardinals. Uh, Cardinals actually came out to play today, so that was nice to see. And they've been scoring a lot, um, but at the same time, one Mr. Bryce Harper still has not been doing too much uh, bad. I know he had a big game the other night um, against the Cardinals, but otherwise he's still hitting two forty three on the season. Uh, he's got, I think, maybe 40 RBIs, and let's check where he is with the uh, dingers. He has 10 this year. But he's not doing too great. I think he leads the league in strikeouts. Yeah. Um, he did at least earlier this week, which is... Oh, he still does, yeah. he That is not good for one of the highest paid players in the game. Um, but as far as the Braves, I really like that Braves team. I was all over them last year. Um, and I think that the key for the Braves will be getting another arm. They cannot survive with whatever rotation they are throwing out there. Um, I can probably name three of their starters if I really tried. Uh, Gossman, uh, Fultonavich, Julio Tehran. I literally can Oh, it's Soroka. Soroka's Soroka, yeah. Really well. Oh, um, and um, the lefty there, Freed, Max Freed. Fried, Freed. Oh, good point. Yep, yep. Max Freed. Um, they should still try and pick up someone else because, no offense, Kevin Gossman, you blow. Yeah, no, he sucks. Um, <laughs> I... <laughs> I, I like for me. Like, I'm sure he's a nice guy. I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure he's a great guy. But for, like Jesus Christ, for a guy that has so much potential, I feel like it's the same shit every year with him. When he was in Baltimore, it was the same stuff. It, he'll have these three, maybe four, if we're really pushing it, um, outstanding stars where he looks like the prospect he was once hyped up to be, and then he'll just shit his pants and give up like eight runs in the first inning, which we saw on his last start. So. I'm I'm out on Kevin Gosman and for, I think I'm just so heated on it because I have him on my fantasy team and he absolutely <laughs> destroyed me this week. So, but yeah, between him and Syndergaard, like I got the most inconsistent pitchers this year. Um, but yeah, I I, I I agree, Jordan. They got to get someone, and maybe it's Dallas Keuchel if they sign him. Um, but I I don't know. They have to do something to help that rotation. Their bullpen is a mess in the back end too. I think the best part of that was you guys saying you can't name a single starter besides Fulton Davis and then you guys then just go on to name the rotation <laughs> yep yeah yep all right Red Sox and Astros a little more low scoring than we intended or we anticipated I should, I should say uh, only 19 runs between the two over a three game set which the Astros took two out of three Jordan you pegged the least runs and nailed that uh, I was the only one to hop on the Strohs Jordan and seven you guys both uh, went with your your geography with the socks and lost. Uh, what did you guys see this weekend from the from the or this past weekend? I should say from socks Strohs. Uh, not a whole lot. Um, I expected it to be low scoring, but I didn't expect there to be two games to seven runs and one game that had five runs. 
Um, it was nice to see that the Red Sox rotation was able to hold them off. Uh, Chris Sale had a pretty decent outing, but he has looked shaky this year at best. Um, then the second game, David Price went literally nowhere. Uh, he didn't even make it out of the first inning. I think he had some type of... He had the flu. Some injury, flu, blisters, his dog was sick. I don't know. Uh, but hopefully he'll be back. And then Eduardo Rodriguez didn't get lit up like a Christmas tree for like the second time this season. So that was good. Um, he is not someone I trust at all. I don't think he's good. <laughs> his whip is like one and a half uh, yeah. he gives up a home run per game that's the issue with him and that's kind of the issue with the Red Sox rotation right now it's just that they are giving up the deep ball like they in the second or third inning it is guaranteed that by that time the other team will have at least one run it's getting a little out of hand but uh, good to see that the Red Sox have turned it down to some turned it around to some degree uh, first game of the series with the um, Yankees today was rained out but uh, we will see about this series coming up. I was saying we'll get into that that Red Sox Yankees series in a little bit. Seven. Um, when you look at this Astros team right now, obviously you know the Twins are hot. There's there's a bunch of hot teams in baseball right now. Do you see anybody being able to take down this Astros team in a seven game series? Yeah, I do. Um, I I don't think it's the Twins and. Forgive me for being biased, but I think the Yankees could actually take them down. Um, and, and the reason I say that is because, for whatever reason right now, it, it just seems like, and I think it's very important too, and it's, there's no stat to back it up, but the chemistry on the Yankees right now is off the charts. There's no reason they should be where they are right now with the lineup that they're putting out and what they have been putting out. Um, in some ways, all these injuries has kind of been a blessing in disguise for them. Um Gio Urshela, I'm waiting for him to slow down. I really am. And for whatever reason, the dude is still hitting like 330. Uh, he has the most clutch hits on the team. He's 4 for 4 with the bases loaded this year. He has two walk-offs. Um, they're pitching, too. Getting Paxson back this week was a huge boon. I know Severino will be back eventually. I'm not counting on him for too much, to be honest. But I think if we're going into a seven-game series with the Astros, um, they match up well in, in terms of just how they can attack each other. I know the Astros have a better rotation uh, just in terms of their one, and, one two, and three, but the Yankees, uh, if you can get their starters through five or six, that's being conservative. Um, that bullpen is nail. So we'll, we'll have to figure it out uh, if, it, if it happens. Um, but And by then, obviously, the injuries will hopefully have dissipated a little bit. So not to say that I don't want to see Aaron Judge and Stanton in the lineup, because I definitely do. But uh, it'll be interesting to see how that all shakes out when it's time. But, yeah, I think if we look at projecting where the Yankees will be and where they are right now and how the Astros are going to continue to win, because that division is, is dog shit. So, yeah, I think uh, the Yankees can, can definitely give them a fight. I don't know if, if they would win, but I think they could at least bring it 2-7 again like they did two years ago. My favorite part of that was Brendan just talked about the Yankees for three minutes and <laughs> the Astros, literally the name of the team, four times. And the Astros are great. <laughs> Five. There we go. 
Yeah, apologies. I got too biased there. Um, but I guess to answer your question, yeah, the, the Astros are fine. Um, there's no there's no issues with them. So we should talk about who would oppose them, I guess is my point there. I was going to say, that, that's what I look at when I see this Astros team. It's just, it's, you know, Jordan, you kind of poke fun at it, but yeah, I kind of agree with, with the approach that Seven took there. Um, because I think when you got to look at yourself because there's not many holes in this Astros team and it's well, well documented unless, you know, you're getting a massage and you're Carlos Correa. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, first of all, this has got to be the, like, if we're going to talk hot seats, massages in 2019 got to be on the hot seat. Ooh. Between between Correa yeah, and and another you know famous owner, but <laughs> <laughs> massages in 2019 got to be on the hot seat. It, it, it's you know, and, and we'll get into it on a future pod. And we we uh, reached out to our our followers on at the Breakdown Sports on Twitter uh, on Thursday about it. You know, we're, we're talking baseball's strange injury injuries. We're gonna get into it on a future date, but. This has got to be one of the weirdest we've seen in a long time. Yeah. And this is this is in the same season that Blake Snell got hurt moving <laughs> something question mark in the shower. Yeah, he wasn't showering or I don't there was no way that happened the way he said it did. But we can get well, into he that. Was moving something he was moving something. He yeah. was moving something. <laughs> <laughs> he was feeling good, I'll tell you that. Oh, love it. All right, last series from Memorial Day weekend that we highlighted was Braves and Cardinals. Braves taking two out of three. Seven, you and me called this. Jordan, you had this be in your most runs, and you hopped on the Cardinals. So a tough weekend oh, yeah. for you. Um, what what went wrong for the Cardinals all weekend long? Uh, Cardinals have some really shaky pitching um, between Dakota Hudson even Jake Flaherty. Um, I had some pretty high hopes for Jake Flaherty this year, uh, and he has not really lived up to it. However, the Cardinals are probably the underperforming team that I'm the most bullish on. I think they have the most talented roster uh, amongst teams that are not doing too hot, and I think that they're really going to start to turn things around. Um, I don't know why it's taken this long. Uh, Paul Goldschmidt's hitting considerably below 300, which I think he's hitting in like the 260 range. Not awful, but for someone who has been a batting champion, he's hit over 300 hands. former MVP. Yeah, he's won an MVP title. He's a very good player. You'd expect him to hit above 300. Matt Carpenter's underperforming. Uh, Molina has a bruised hand. Um, he's not able to catch with that, which makes sense. That's important. Uh, Marcelo Zuna is basically the only player who is living up to his potential. Uh, actually, Paul DeYoung as well, I believe, yeah, is doing yeah. well. Um, Paul DeYoung, actually, sorry. Marcelo Zuna is batting pretty hard. Um, Mar- uh, Paul DeYoung's actually hitting almost 300, so that is nice to see. But their rotation is just really shaky. They need to figure out some way to shore that up, um, whether it's just nerves at the beginning of the season. Um We've got play, they've got guys like Michael Walker and uh, they think they still have Wainwright floating around there. They're yeah. players who they're a little bit past their time, but they're going to need them to pick it up if they expect to make a run in the Central. Central's super competitive this year. Um, six games between first and last, um, mm-hmm. which I believe is the yeah best division or most tight division 
even the Reds, they're not out of it. Like, trust me, by no means do I think the Cincinnati Reds are going to be pulling away with this one here. But I really just expected that in a home series for the Cardinals, uh, for them to be able to take a couple against the team with the Braves, who has similar issues. There's some question marks in their rotation, aside from Soroka, and actually Max Fried's been doing pretty well. Um, so I thought that perhaps the Cardinals would be able to take it. thought we'd uh, see some runs there, but wasn't the case. So going back to Goldschmidt real quick, he's hitting 271. His OPS is 812 right now. Both of those are down from his career averages and recent trends. Uh, how much of that do you atone or attribute, attribute to probably the better word, uh, to the change of scenery from Arizona to Seattle? I think for going from um, Arizona specifically, just where it's known as a hitter's ballpark, um, with the uh, the humidor and everything, I know that it can be a little different, um, but I don't think it's to blame for all of his struggles. Especially, I, for me, with Goldschmidt, it just he just doesn't look comfortable. Um, and I don't know if it's where they have him hitting in the lineup. I don't think it's that different from what he's used to. But for whatever reason, it's just it just hasn't clicked yet in totality, and it's kind of like what we're seeing in LA with Corey Seager uh, as well. Like we're expecting it to happen, but it just won't happen. So we're gonna have to just wait and see. I think there's there's nothing to get too worried about. Uh, it, it's still very early in the season, but I don't expect Goldschmidt to end up at the 270 mark. The power hasn't been there either, though, and that's my bigger concern with Goldschmidt. The average, I think, will be fine. It's just the power numbers and the slugging needs to to pick up. Uh, to Jordan's point, this guy was an, an MVP, a batting champ. Um, we got to give him his due. So I'll give him the benefit of the doubt for as long as I can. But, yeah, I think uh, if there's one thing to be concerned about, it's definitely the power. Yeah, I was going to say his home run numbers are there. Uh, he's kind of on pace for what he's been at. We're about a, a little past a third of the way. or Yeah, well, yeah a little past a third of the way through. And he's he's on pace for his his usual numbers, but he's only got five doubles compared to you know the last three years he's gone thirty three, thirty four, thirty five, and he only has four on the year right now. The RBIs are gonna are are way down. I mean, yep. I mean, Jordan Teddy had some some spirited opinions on on Paul Goldschmidt. <laughs> <laughs> what what, yep. uh, what do you think about him? Teddy was not very happy. Um, Teddy thinks that Paul Goldschmidt is more protected in this lineup than he was in Arizona, and he should not be batting 270 with a couple of doubles and a few home runs this far into the season. Uh, Teddy had some high hopes for Paul Goldschmidt. Uh, Teddy actually said that Paul Goldschmidt was one of his favorite <laughs> players. I uh, thought he had one of the purest swings in the league. Uh, he really admired his ability to just go up there and hit the ball. Not necessarily that he was always hitting 40 home runs a year, but he was hitting close. I think he was getting close to 200 hits consecutively um, year in and year out when he was able to actually play the full season. So tough one there for Teddy. I just want to say. Teddy <laughs> Teddy should be taking my spot on the pod. Holy cow. <laughs> the, fuck, the fucking... The whole thing with Teddy did this and Teddy did that—that that just reminded me of the Jimmy from Seinfeld so much. Oh my god! Don't touch Jimmy! <laughs> oh my god! All right, just to wrap up Teddy's Teddy's uh, three minutes of fame here—is it named after Ted Williams? Uh, actually, his name was Teddy when we got him. So. We oh, okay. Him, and uh, well, we thought it was Teddy, so we got a dog and. 
the dog didn't really listen to his, us call him Teddy. And then we finally got his paperwork because we had adopted him from a shelter. And for some reason, there was a delay in getting his paperwork. Sketchy. Um, <laughs> and so we finally get it. And it says Teddy on one side and it says Apollo on the other. Um, what? We weren't about to start calling our dog Apollo. Uh, he does not look like a boxer, nor does he look like a spaceship. So he is Teddy. That's his middle name, Theodore Apollo Whitney. I love it. So, yeah. <laughs> Teddy Stiltskins, that's a popular one around town. There it is. All right, uh, another another big headline kind of coming out today. Uh, Dallas Keuchel, currently uh, the apparently favored to be signed by the Yankees, according to Scott Boris and SNY. Uh, his agent says he's close to returning, will likely sign midnight following the draft Monday. Keiko returning to baseball, guys. Interesting that he allegedly wants a one-year deal so he can remain free agent eligible for this next offseason. What are your guys' thoughts on Keiko right now? Well, for the Keiko thing, I think it's uh, it's just very... Because the the whole draft compensation is the reason he's signing at at uh, midnight after the draft. Um, so I just want to point that out. This isn't like he decided this was the day. Uh, there's a, there's a reason he's doing it this way. The one year deal makes sense just because he's getting such a late start. Um, I don't think he could ask for more than one year at this point because he's taking so much time off. And for it's going to be weird though because his whole thing was he wanted to get his what he believed was his market value. Obviously, it did not happen that way. Same with Kimbrell. So both these guys, when they sign, are going to have to do a one-year deal. Uh, it kind of backfired on him, and there's some that think that he probably could have got a two- or three-year deal with an option or, or whatever you want to look at it. But he could have done that with a different team but for less money. Um, so in free agency in the last couple of years in baseball has been kind of weird anyway. There, a lot of the big contracts haven't really been thrown around. Uh, I mean, just look how long it took Machado and Harper to sign. So yeah, I think the Keuchel thing—it's—it's it's kind of his own fault. Uh, we touched upon it in the first pod um, that you know he was holding out because he wanted his own value, and this is—he uh, kind of bites the bullet here, so he has to eat crow on that one a little bit. I think if he pitches well enough, he could get a get a, a really good deal at the end of the season. So I'm hoping that if he does sign with the Yankees, he pitches well. But I, I think uh, for him, an abbreviated season like this doesn't really help, but he just needs to pitch at this point because he has to show teams that he can still actually play. So that's uh, that's pretty much where we are with him at this point. So Dallas Keuchel choosing to sign one-year deals so he can have a longer offseason to hang out. Maybe he goes fishing. It's kind of like that friend of yours that you have that says they work from home, but really, you know, they just masturbate all day. It's kind of my feelings <laughs> on Dallas Keuchel at this point. Um, <laughs> I don't even have any words for but, that. I'm just leaving that as is. <laughs> uh, yeah, I've been hearing a lot about the uh, Keuchel kind of being picked up in early June after the draft because of the draft compensation. And it makes sense. If you're a team and you're going to hold out this long, why bust a load and... Sorry, another masturbation joke. I was going to say, uh, what, are you, what were you doing all day, Jordan? <laughs> Working. <laughs> from home? <laughs> from home. <laughs> so if you're going to um, wait this long and try and sign a starting pitcher, you might as well wait until June, not give up a draft pick, uh, probably get him at a even deeper discount with June, July, August, uh, September, four full months of the season left. Uh, so why not? 
I'd like to see him go somewhere else than the AL East, preferably, um, unless by some divine intervention that he ends up on the Red Sox, because God knows we can use it. All right, gun to your head, just immediate reaction. Keuchel, I'm just going to, however you want to phrase it, successful year, yes or no? No. Yeah, I'd go the same way. I think he just sat around too long. We've seen this in other sports. We've seen this even in baseball where someone who holds out this far into the season, they have a tough time getting up to game speed immediately. Yeah, especially for a starter too. Like I, I have more uh, hope for uh, Kimbrell being able to just kind of pitch when he signs. But a starter like Keuchel, it, there's more rhythm and there's more mechanics that go into it because you have to get your body ready to start pitching again like that. Um, I just don't think that he's going to have... And when I say successful, I mean, like, what we're used to with him. I don't think he's going to go out and pitch like Trevor Rosenthal, but I don't think he's going to pitch like Dallas Keuchel, uh, the Cy Young Award winner that we're expecting, or that many are expecting. I think it's going to be an uphill battle for him. So I, I'm, if I'm going to project it and just off the top of my head, like, I, I don't know if this is where his career numbers are anyway, but I'm seeing, like, high three, low four ERA um, when he does sign. And I, I'm sure their control is going to be an issue. Not throwing a batters for this long competitively. I know that he had that workout, and Boris had to bring out the hot dog stand for him. But um, I just I don't think it's going to be anything that we're used to. This is not Dallas Keuchel related, but to all our listeners, if anyone's got any good Trevor Rosenthal jokes, I'm buying all that. So in addition to sending us your favorite injuries, send us more shit talking about Trevor Rosenthal. Cause God, that Infinity ERA was great. To infinity and beyond, Trevor Rosenthal. <laughs> <laughs> you know, maybe we just make that a running segment. Is like whenever you want to like uh, shit talk from the bleachers, and anybody who wants to send in shit talk to to other players or whatever, and we just have like a two, uh, like a five minute rant or like the best tweets, best rants we get. We'll yeah, workshop totally it. Totally down for that. Yep, we'll, we'll workshop, workshop it. it. But uh, moving forward, sad news out of Boston this week as Bill Buckner. Uh, passing away and you know you're gonna a lot of people are gonna remember him for his infamous game six play but boy this guy had an absolutely stellar career I mean when when you guys think of Bill Buckner what comes to mind and and I'm gonna turn to you first Jordan that as a Red Sox fan um, how do you how are you viewing Buckner's legacy so actually some people may not realize, but he had a incredible career leading up to the time that he ended up playing on the Red Sox. Red Sox was more towards the tail end of his career. When he was playing in that World Series in 86, when the ball ended up going through his legs, he was in his twilight years. He was like 35, 36 years old. He had a very successful career with the Dodgers and the uh, Cubs. Before that, he ended up winning a batting title in either 80 or 81 when he was with the Cubs. Um, but he was a great player. He got an incredible amount of bullshit from the city of Boston. It is among some of the other things that Boston is infamously known for. Perhaps we don't always treat people of color with the most respect in regards to sporting events. Uh, perhaps sometimes people get a little bit drunk and fight for nonsense. The other one that's up there with me is the shit that Bill Buckner got for an... Uh, error he got in a game six of a world series that wasn't in the ninth inning 
when there was a Game 7. He didn't lose the series for us. We trotted our asses back out there in Game 7. We fucking lost. Did we? Were we in the driver's seat, and could we have won? Yeah, but at the same time, there's reason there's seven game series. Uh, it's our duty to go back out there and bust ass and win Game 7. Um, unfortunately, that did not happen, and it's really sad what ended up happening with him, where he felt that he could not be anywhere around the New England area, moved to, I believe it was Idaho, uh, Idaho, for the majority of his adult life once he left baseball, and ended up um, coming back to Boston. He did play in Boston, I believe, his last season, uh, very short season, I maybe played in 40 games at most. Um, but then he didn't really hang, stick around Boston because obviously we're not very kind to people all the time. Um, until we won the World Series in '04, he ended up coming out and throwing an opening day pitch, um, either in the '05 season or even later than that. So unfortunate uh, to hear about his passing, but he has a great legacy. I believe he's possibly a Hall of Famer. Um, he was an incredible, pure hitter. Uh, everything you saw about him this week, aside from Darren Ravel's stupid fucking tweet, was Fuck about how good of a hitter Bill Buckner was. Just a pure hitter, made contact, got on base. Uh, let's real quickly. He was he had over two hundred hits in. 1982, and having 200 hits uh, through the 80s in the MLBs, not like we see it today. It was much more a rare occasion. I think it's also worth noting, too, with Buckner. Um, I know back then, batting average was like the premier stat that everyone kind of looked at, but if you take a deeper dive into his numbers, this dude never struck out more than three times in a game. In his 22-year in his career in the, in the major leagues, never struck out more than three times. So, there's something to be said for a guy like that. Um, his numbers are amazing. He's 66th all-time on the hit list. Um, and I know it was 22 years, but still, like to be able to do that in that era, and just all the accolades he had without anyone really ever kind of giving him credit for it because of that one stupid play, it's it sucks that he never got that redemption that he definitely deserved. And it sucks that, you know, that it just kind of tarnished his, his name completely. But uh, for all intents and purposes, it's it looks like Buckner was definitely, I think he was a good guy. Uh, he had that great cameo in Curb Your Enthusiasm with uh, Larry David. So he, he got a little bit of redemption there. Um, but yeah, he received MVP votes. Um, we talked about his hitting. He was also a great fielder too. Uh, when you take out that one play, of course, everyone's going to say, no, he wasn't, but no, he, he was a great fielder. All of his numbers are, are upper echelon. And, and I think he, he should be in the hall of fame, uh, just based on his body of work. Cause there wasn't one thing that he did extremely well and other things that he was average at. He was just a very above average player. Um, and, and you know, somewhat elite in his heyday. So yeah, I, uh, it, it's tough to lose a guy like that, especially with the cloud that kind of hang over him. Um, but yeah, thoughts and prayers to his family. Uh, I wish, uh, you know, more people could actually look at Bill Buckner for the baseball player he was and not that one player he made. Yeah. Thoughts and prayers to the, to the Buckner family. Um, uh, it's, it's, it's always a tragedy when, when so anyone famous, um, and, and someone who, who formed some of, uh, our, whether it's our listeners or just baseball fans in general or sports fans in general, you know, we as sports fans tend to identify, uh, you know, our allegiance, whether it be with a team or whatever, 
and, and you you align yourself with players and unfortunately with so many Boston fans it was a, a negative alignment with Buckner and and I was very fortunate to be at, at Fenway Park on Monday um, and they they did a very very touching tribute to Buckner and his family um, and they, they played that first pitch that you referred to Jordan um, and it was it was really cool really touching moment um, but just to touch on some of his numbers like you guys did 20 20 or yeah 27 15 career hits a career 289 hitter and considering the kind of fall off he had at the end of his career I think that he, that he still managed to hit 289 is nothing short of incredible moving on from uh, from the the tragedy with Bill Buckner to stay with some some unfortunate Red Sox news Dustin Pedroia uh, apparently mulling retirement um, let's start with you guys because because I was a guy that idolized Pedroia uh, in my, you know, in my high school and college days. Um, so to me, I, I probably hold him in a pretty, pretty big light. How do you guys view Pedroia, you know, being from the Boston area and being Red Sox, uh, Red Sox fan, Jordan? Yeah. Um, I'll take this first. So Pedroia through all of the two thousands was, uh, sorry, post Pedro was my favorite Red Sox bar none. I love David Ortiz. Um, and he, I really enjoyed watching him play. He was obviously a pure hitter, very clutch. But Dustin Pedroia is what I want to be as a ball player. Um, from the time I was, I think he started with the Sox when I was like 13 years old. So I was still in like Pony League, Babe Ruth uh, at that time. And he was everything I dreamed of being as a middle infielder. He had so much grit. He was a great leader. Um, he was an incredible hitter. Um, that first like three or four years he was in the league, he ended up winning the AL MVP, I believe, in his second year. Um, and I just got to pull up. Let me real quickly pull up these numbers because what he won the MVP with is pretty incredible, which shows that what he truly did um, as a hitter. So he won Rookie of the Year um, in his rookie season, batting three seventeen. Pedroia wasn't a big home run guy. Uh, the year he won MVP, he had 120 runs, 210 hits, and 55 doubles. Um, he hit over 300, hit 330, and had a slugging at around 500. But he was an incredible player. I really enjoyed him. This is the worst way I imagined him going out. And I had joked around with coworkers. I have a few coworkers here in Boston or in Denver who are from the Boston area. I said that this is what it was going to come down to, is he's just not ever going to be able to get back out on the field. And to hear the press conference the other day was so sad. He's been a, such a big leader for the Red Sox clubhouse. Um, I've made jokes before about how his favorite thing to do is call our players-only meeting, but it's because he's a truly incredible leader. Um, I was a little bit upset with his handling of the... Harry Francona to Bobby Valentine era. I believe he was rather childish um, with all that went on, especially with his open hatred for Bobby Valentine. Um, speaking to the press about it and going behind his back and telling players not to listen to him and trying to literally get the man fired. Um, but yeah, I, I really hope that Pedroia is able to figure something out. Hope there's some great physical therapist or doctor out there who's going to be able to uh, cure his probably chronically injured niece. 
seven, when you think about uh, Pedroia, what comes to mind for you? I mean, aside from the fact that, like, clearly, I don't love seeing him in the lineup uh, when he was, you know, uh, healthy. But, and that's more so just because I was afraid of him as a hitter. And Jordan kind of touched on it. But the year he won the MVP, he had 54 doubles. Like, this, I mean, the, the dude's not a big guy by any means. He just plays the game as hard as they come. So, it was definitely inspirational if you're a Red Sox fan just to see a guy like that kind of go through the ranks and become an all-star and a household name and really kind of the face of that franchise for so long. Um, to Jordan's point, though, like, I and I know no one wants to see a player go out this way, but and I'm not saying I did either. I'm just saying, like, I, I didn't really expect it to go any other way if this is truly it um, because he put his body through absolute hell uh, over his career. And again, we saw how he played. It was 150% every time. And yeah, it pissed me off, but I hate seeing players go out like that. Um, I would have, if I'm a Red Sox fan, what I would wish is that he kind of got a good send off in the sense that, you know, Ortiz got, uh, what Jeter got with the Yankees, Rivera, like these guys got to go out on their terms. So it kind of sucks. And it's bad for baseball too. Just seeing one of those guys that, We've kind of grown accustomed to seeing uh, just play with so much passion and energy and just loves the game. Um, and he is such a leader for that team. So it, it's a huge blow for the team in terms of just morale. But I'm sure he's going to stick around with them. So it's not in the sense where, like, he's he's gone for good. But, yeah. Um, but my question for you, Jordan, is, is this as big a blow to the actual play of the team or is this just a blow to the morale? Because I know he wasn't, he hasn't played in almost two years. It sounds like so. Um, does this actually affect the team moving forward in terms of their ability to win games? Mm, no, I think that what we'll end up seeing happen is if he decides he's not coming back, he's going to get some type of ambassador special assistant role where he's going to be a lot around the team that's really what the team needs from him is his leadership presence i think he's very grounded uh he's pretty humble as well he sticks up for the players i think he's a good advocate for his teammates and players respect him he isn't known around the league as someone who causes a lot of shit uh even when he was injured and this is one of the things that bothered me the most was the play where he was injured when Manny Machado overshot the bag and stuck his cleat into the air and hit Pedroia's left knee, which is the knee that uh, is injured. Uh, Even at that point, Pedroia, months and even a year or so later, has still said that, you know, it's just a hard play, it's baseball, I've probably done something similar uh, to someone along the way. He's the utmost professional. Um, I just think that he should be around the team in whatever capacity he's able to. Yeah, I I like uh, what both of you guys are saying there. And and Seven, I'm going to kind of disagree with what what you said about wishing that Pedroia got um, the hero send-off. And while he does deserve it, and I'm not doubting that in any sense because he would have the good farewell tour, but but to me, that's not his style at all. I think. I, I think. He would go off quietly into the sunset. He, I don't think you'd prefer for it to be he ran his body into the ground, but right. Um, I think this is this is more his way to go. I think more so. What I meant is just like him be knowing that this is it. Um, I don't think he, I think you're right, Tommy. I don't think he would want like all the accolades and 
the gifts from every team that he goes to different ballparks. But I think uh, going out on his terms, just to your point, riding off in the sunset, leaving it all in the field, which he's always done anyway. Um, but yeah, just it sucks that this is kind of how it ends, if it does end. And again, there's more to come, but we'll see. Yeah, just uh, it, it's tough for the game of baseball when they lose a player like that in this way. All right, so Pedroia, a rookie of the year, an MVP, four-time All-Star. He has two rings, four gold gloves, a silver slugger, and a Wilson overall defensive player of the year. If you guys had to guess, Hall of Fame, yes or no? Uh, no. I would agree. Yeah. Great yeah. player, I mean, not sucks. Hall of Famer. No, I think he would have – he had some years where he was injured um, throughout his career. He broke his wrist um, – Fuck, I can't even remember when that was. He played with – he had another issue, issue. I think it was In 2015, he played 93 yeah. games, and that's what it, it looks like. It was like. that 2015 yeah. year where – well, the he broke his wrist earlier in his career, but 2015, he had some type of injury that he played through for the entire season. Then it ended up coming out in, like, the last couple weeks. Like, oh, yeah, by the way, he's played through this, and he's going to have surgery. Um so, yeah, if he had been able to stay healthy, I think it would be a sure thing. If he, He's 35 years old now. If he would have had 12, 13 productive seasons and had the Rookie of the Year, the MVP, the, not to correct you, but three uh, World Series ranks. Um, I think, <laughs> it says uh, two on his baseball helped. reference. Because they didn't give him one last year for not playing. But so, he's part of the team. He's part of the team, he, yeah. Yeah. I mean, because they won in... Oh seven, uh, he was on the team in thirteen, and then those years he played full season. So that's probably why uh, Baseball Reference has only those two. Makes yeah. sense. Yeah, makes enough sense. I think for me, when I just look at it, and he didn't play enough years in my eyes. Uh, I, you can blame it on injuries, and obviously the injuries kind of speak for themselves. But the numbers are great, but there's nothing that like jumps out at me that screams like. Hall of Famer. Uh, his batting average, his career line is 299. On base is great. Slugging was only 439. Um, seven, 725 RBI. There, I mean, nothing really jumps off the page at you. And I think it's kind of funny, too, when I'm looking at this because I expected him to be a lot better, too. Um, and I think that's just kind of the way he played, and we kind of expected him to be up there all the time. Um, but yeah, you know, 1,800 hits over his career not terrible uh i'm not gonna scoff at that at all it's actually pretty impressive but there's no there's just like there's not enough here for me to consider him a hall of famer he'll definitely get his number retired in fenway uh that's without a question and he'll, he's definitely in the red sox hall of fame for all intents and purposes but in the larger picture of it in the mlb i just don't think uh there's enough here for me at least yeah i guess when i, when I was reading those off i was reading off the accolades then i saw the 1800 hits and to me, that was lower than I expected. And I guess it's because of the right? injuries. It makes sense. Yeah. But I expected him to at least be like 2,200, 2,300 maybe. Yeah. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, you got to figure it's, it's since 2015, he had 2,200 hits in 2016, but 111, 119, 1, and 2. Yeah. So, uh, but moving on from that, we, we kind of, again, stay in Boston. Uh, Red Sox and Yankees this weekend rained out today to be made up as a doubleheader, wait for it, in August. Because <laughs> that makes sense. Which, yeah, obviously. I kind of like, I mean, it doesn't make sense that it's in, in August, but I kind of like it 
because it's down there. Because now that doubleheader becomes very meaningful, or hopefully becomes very meaningful down the stretch. Um, yeah. I, I, I love meaningful baseball versus, ga- versus games in what would be May 31st tomorrow. Um, so, I mean, while it doesn't make sense to me, I like it. What do you guys, what are you guys uh, looking at the series for this week? I think this is a big statement series for the Red Sox more than the Yankees right now. Um, I touched on it earlier. The Yankees aren't supposed to be where they are right now. We like we can keep going through this lineup. It's just it, it is what it is, and they're going to keep rolling with it. But the Red Sox have not. They've had signs of life, and they had that great run uh, a couple weeks ago, and it looked like they were putting everything together again, and then. For whatever reason, they just can't sustain it, and I don't. I don't want to blame it on the bullpen because I looked at the bullpen numbers. They're actually pretty good numbers in the bullpen. Um, for I, I don't know how it seems like that seems to be what everyone's just harping on all the time, but I don't know what it is, and it just it doesn't. It could be a hangover from the World Series, but this is a big statement series for them. It's going to be three games now, but if they can go in and sweep the Yankees. Then I, I think it kind of puts to bed a lot of those question marks about if they're you know if they're where they should be, um, but if they go out and they play lethargic and they're not scoring runs and their pitching falls apart, then it's going to be the same question circulating this team until they meet again, right? And, and because we look at this as the Red Sox Yankees in this division, but we have the Rays now too. So this is why it's so big for this team. Uh, I, I personally am not looking at this so much for the Yankees as thinking like this is these are must win games. While I'd love them to win them, this is like where they are right now. I mean they're they're fine. They're overachieving. So for the Red Sox, I think there's a lot more pressure on them. Absolutely, um, it's really ball is in the Red Sox court at this point. Um, what I don't know, and I'm really struggling to even find is. Who the hell is going to pitch for the Red Sox? Uh, they literally only have one listed starter, and it's Chris Sale. Right. Uh, and he's going because the game has been postponed. But other than that, I have no clue who they're going to throw out there. David Price just pitched the other day, mm-hmm. so he can't be going. Uh, they started, what was it, Ryan Webb? Yeah, they started Ryan Weber. Um in the game against the Indians. They've just been thrown out. They've had some injuries, and I, I assume Purcell is going to get a start, um, which I actually don't hate, uh, to be totally honest. But for the love of God, please keep Eduardo Rodriguez off the mound because uh, that man cannot handle playing against the Yankees. He I is, think he's actually slated to pitch this uh, weekend. Dude, he, has not, he, he is, actually. He hasn't pitched since Sunday. Um so he probably will. He does not have a good track record against the Yankees, if my memory serves me right. Um, I really think this is do or die for them. I don't think that if they drop the series that they're out of it, but this is a big momentum thing for them, which is what that team last year really rode on. Uh, You saw the chemistry that the team had uh, with all their celebrations they had throughout the years and how tight the outfield was and how close the team was overall, but you're not really seeing that this year, and it's because they're not winning. I think that if they could pick up this series against the Yankees, if they can take two out of three, um, if Chris Sale can get a great start, I think that would be huge for the team morale. Yep. It's really tough when you're – he's one of the five best pitchers in the league. Um, 
before this one and six run that he's been on this year. Um, if he can get a big game, if he can get you know fourteen strikeouts, throw seven innings, and give up one or two earned runs, and really put the team on his back and lead him to a commanding victory, I think that'll go a long way um, in kind of showing this team that there's still some fight left and that they should really give it their all uh, as they had to take on the Yankees. And then even beyond that, uh, looking ahead to next week when they'll be, uh, I think they have more divisional. I think they have the Rays next week. They, they have the Rays at, uh, next weekend, but they have That's the right. Royals in between. So if they can take the Yankees, get two games out of three, and then who knows, maybe even pull a sweep on the Royals, I think that we'll be seeing a different team come this series with Tampa. Yeah, and and I think there's no denying that the Yankees Red Sox is, you know, whatever the implications, whether you know both teams are playing well or not, it's by far uh, the most well-known, well-documented rivalry in all of baseball. So um, when you guys look at the rivalry, obviously seven being a Yankees fan, Jordan, you being a Red Sox fan, I'm sure you guys being friends have had your fair share of moments. Um, just give me one. What's your 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 one favorite moment of the rivalry? I think for me, Jordan probably agrees. Is the Don Zimmer and, and Pedro oh. uh, altercation? So that actually happened on my birthday um, in two thousand three. I want to say, um, but I remember watching. We were up in Vermont, and it was like. And that was great because that I like grew up when they hated each other, which was awesome. Um, so I got to see it in, in its glory years. But I just remember watching that game live and seeing all the cameras like flash to everyone trying to get a good moment. And then of course Don Zimmer goes out, bull rushes Pedro Martinez, and Pedro throws him on the ground. And for me, like that, I'll never forget that moment just watching it and just how much animosity was between those two teams. And it, it gave you a sense, like, because you hear Red Sox-Yankees is a bit of rivalry, and it's kind of waned over the years. But, I mean, man, when, when I saw that, and I was just a kid, but that was, that really kind of showed you how much these two teams really hate each other. And when they hate each other, how good the content is for the viewers, the sport in general. Uh, just everything about that was just, was perfect for me to watch. Jordan, what's your go-to moment? Um... Uh, honestly, same thing. You cannot not love that. I mean, Brendan, uh, even as a Yankees fan, did you enjoy watching Zimmer get kind of tossed? Like, it was comical. It was comical. Like, I, I'm not going to say I enjoyed it because it, clearly he was outmatched. He was an old man. <laughs> <laughs> really? You didn't have Don Zimmer in the tail of the tape there? <laughs> <laughs> but... I, like, I didn't enjoy it watching an old man get thrown down, but I enjoyed it for the reason for just what this rivalry really is about because this is what people actually try to hype it up to be, and that was just – that was perfect. It was on display. They absolutely fucking hated each other, and that's what oh, we man. look for, and that's what we've – and Jordan, that's like kind of like the last few years it's been kind of dull uh, up until you know Tyler Austin and Joe Kelly getting into it, but – yeah. That was that was stupid, but you know yeah. the, that that was just that was that was the pinnacle of this rivalry for me. Uh, just it seeing really this, was. this, yeah, just seeing a play out like that, like because everyone expects the players, like a pitcher and a batter, to go at it. And of course, we have some more on this list, but to see a fucking bench coach who is in his seventies storm the team's best player 
at the time who's not even playing that game and oh th- and that's that's where the attention goes to like that's perfect that that's exactly oh, so what we good. want yeah so i mean my favorite part of it was, like it sucked that don zimmer was what 70 years old or so and he like he did like the i've fallen and i can't get up where he's starting to lean forward and you could tell he had no balance and just <laughs> yeah. him by the face and just whoop you're on the ground now uh but my favorite part of it was don zimmer stands up and he starts checking his head he's patting his built head as if he's expecting blood like dude you hit the grass no, nothing hard about that <laughs> hit you except for your ego and your belly. Like, your stomach took the majority of that <laughs> And your uh, belly. Like, come on. But, yeah, him checking his head for blood is still, I can picture that. Um, real quickly, just a few of the others that you got to mention some of these with the Red Sox, Yankees. Uh, Clemens and Veritek. Yep. That was great. Uh, Veritek and A-Rod. Loved it. Um Clemens versus Boston. Uh, Clemens is really low on my list of favorite people. Uh, I'd say he's pretty far down the list. I'd say I think Jordan misremembered. <laughs> <laughs> Not a big Clemens guy. Um, there, there's just a lot going on with that uh, matchup, and it was very fun to watch through the mid-2000s. Even 03, um, I still remember watching Aaron Boone put that knuckleball into uh, the third deck of Yankee Stadium. Yeah. But I, I remember, like, sitting on the edge of my mom's bed. It was late. We were, Brennan, we were, what, like, fucking seventh grade? Sixth yeah. Grade? Yeah, seventh grade. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I just remember, like, sitting there watching on the end of my mom's bed, and I'm like, oh, well, guess it's not this year. And to come back in 04, it was fine. And honestly, the rivalry, I would say, although it's been not as – intense as what we had seen growing up i think it's been more enjoyable i have a lot of fans or friends who are yankees fans and i can actually watch a game with them without wanting to cut their head off like 12 year old preteen me prepubescent me i was very i was a very bitter red sox fan i had only lived through a couple years of uh the excruciation that my father my grandfather had seen but boy did i not like the yankees then Right, and I think too, like when we look at the like the Jeter and A Rod drama too, when he came over, the internal drama just to fuel the fire because A Rod, of course, was rumored to go to the Red Sox, went to the Yankees. Jeter and him got into an argument. A Rod is, you know, has proven to be um, the showman, I guess is one way to put it. Um, and then the O three and O four, that I mean, I think that was perfect, especially for us at the age that we were at, like kind of getting our bearings on the situation of what these two teams mean to baseball and how much they fucking hate each other and when they hate each other, how good the games are. Um, just back-to-back years with the World Series on the line coming down to seven games like that. Of course, you know, the Red Sox went on to win the World Series and uh, the fucking Marlins beat the Yankees in 03. But, um, that, like, for me, that's just... That's going to be cemented um, with in my memories at least just being able to go back and watch those because those are great games to watch too just regardless oh, of the yeah. outcome just everyone was playing so hard uh the moves that the managers made i mean that's that was baseball that's the, that's i think the best probably the best baseball that i've seen um that i can recall uh yeah and honestly, as someone who sat across and watched the yankees um 
win consistently through my childhood. I will say that the one time I really enjoyed this, and we kind of alluded to this last week, was, God, was it great seeing the Yankees beat the Mets in the Subway Series. <laughs> that, yeah, that was great. I mean, fuck the Mets. Like, they're, just, they're always going to be on the outside, but... I just I, I love it and and you know for me growing up like I was too young really to understand all the championships when the Yankees just were that juggernaut through the late '90s early 2000s and just and, and I I think I take it for granted but not that I really had a grasp on it that this team is that doesn't happen a lot and clearly it hasn't um, I've seen one World Series win in the last ten years and that felt amazing. So, Jordan, I mean, obviously you have a lot more bragging rights at this point, So, which is awesome because you got to see all this kind of unfold, like understanding what's going on. Like for me, I was just there watching it with my dad and my brother, not really totally grasping and capturing the moment of how awesome it was to watch that stuff. And, um, yeah, and here we are now. Both teams are, are good again, and it's a, it's a heated division again. So I just can't wait to see what – what comes after. Um, and I don't think it's going to get to that point in 03 and 04 where they just hate each other again and it's going to come to to blows. Um, but we'll see. I I think for all intents and purposes, the rivalry is back on. These teams definitely have a dislike for each other. And I'm just excited for this series. I, I want to see what happens. And the, the star power is gone from the Yankees for this series for the most part. But I just... Uh, I'm looking forward to it big time. I still wish it was four games, but I can deal with three as well. The rivalry's back on. Shout out Frank Reich. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah. but when I when I look at Yankees Red Sox, I mean, I being you know a Clevelander, we have Ohio State and Michigan as our our go to rivalry that we consider the biggest in sports. But being a baseball fan, it's impossible for me to deny just the passion of of Yankees Red Sox. I think it's it's one of the most fun ones because it, we've had the most. I mean, you guys went through them the most moments that you can point to and say this was iconic. This was iconic, and I agree with you, Seven, that we're not going to get the the team where the teams go to blows like they did in o three o four. Unfortunately, sports are just kind of trending away from that at the professional level. Yeah. Where you don't really straight up get two, te- oh, these t- two teams don't like each other. You don't get that anymore. Um, and that sucks because now the rivalries come to just the fans. Um, my, f- I, I, I was a, a bandwagon piggyback Red Sox fan but, um, growing up. I thought the, the, the 04 series, the 04 ALCS into the 04 series was one of the coolest moments in sports. Um, I love Manny Ramirez. I, I, <laughs> the why not us mentality the, and the four days in October, thirty for thirty, oh. is absolutely amazing. Um, so I love that Red Sox team. That, that's also what made going to Fenway this past week that much more special. Um, but I love this rivalry. I, I wish it was still as intense. I wish sports still had just the intensity that it did back in those early two thousands. With the the late release this week. Uh, we're gonna, you know, kind of. I mean, we've gone on about the weekend ahead uh, with Yankees Red Sox. We've we've touched on a lot. We're gonna skip past fantasy corner. We're gonna skip past batters box and call to the pen. And we're just gonna hit our curtain call and we'll have it jam packed next week uh, for our show. So, gentlemen, 
as we head out, what are we looking forward to? So I got another bold one because that seems to be my, my thing. I'm going to go back to the well and keep it bold. I'm saying that Max Scherzer is going to be wearing pinstripes after July 31st. Yankee pinstripes, to be exact. Not the fucking Mets. But Ooh, I, there's also Philly pinstripes. He's not. No, no, no. Scherzer he's, and Mets. <laughs> no. That and will never happen. Both in the offseason. Him and uh, Syndergaard. No. Please, no. Um, but I think Scherzer's going to be Yankee after July 31st. I think the Nationals suck. I think they're not going to get any better. And I think they're going to have to just start having a fire sale. They have so many young players coming up at this point. Um, so I think Rendon's gone. I think Scherzer's gone. Rosenthal will be there to infinity and beyond. Uh, they're they're going to be going through a rebuilding mode. It's Adam Eaton maybe could go to the Mets, though. That would be fun, huh? Having him oh, and Frazier cool. share a uh, clubhouse again. But, they for, should yeah. be next to each other in lockers. That would be great. That That's... There's your rivalry right there. You have the most childish <laughs> player in the league and the biggest loser in terms of just personality. And your newest block on Twitter. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Adam Eaton probably won't hear this because he blocked me on Twitter. But, um, yeah, fuck you, Adam Eaton. And I got off track, though. Max Scherzer will be a Yankee. What do you think the Yankees are going to have to give up to get Scherzer? See, that's why I think this is so plausible because the Yankees have essentially brought up their AAA team this whole year, so they've all produced. And they're, it's you know, take your pick, right? Um, I can see, a de- I can see a deal like Clint Frazier being thrown in, and at this point, I know he's hurt, but I would trade Miguel Andujar. I I would trade him in a heartbeat for a pitcher like that. They tr- they flirted with it last year for Degrom. Obviously, they didn't do it. They didn't pull the trigger. Um, I you I don't think you need him. He is not as essential as we believe him to be, and I don't think Gio Urshela is you know deserving of a big t- time contract from them. But I would trade Andrew Hart and Frazier in a heartbeat for Scherzer. Interesting. I like that. I'm gonna go. Uh, I'm gonna go out, out west with it. Uh, I think the A's are gonna take two out of three against Houston this weekend. Uh, they got Mike Fires going Friday, and then I think Verlander is gonna beat him on Saturday, but. Uh, Sunday is gonna be, they're gonna be one one. It's going to be Garrett Cole against uh, Bassett or Chris Bassett, and um, I think if the A's can get to Cole early, I, I like them to win on Sunday. Two out of three, I think Oakland. I mean Oakland's hot right now. They're ten and two over their last twelve, playing really good baseball, hitting the cover off it. Um, I think they're gonna ride that wave. They're at home against Houston. I like them this weekend. I like that. So for me, uh, I'm going to go back over the NL Central. Talked about them a little bit earlier this episode, but I'm taking it back to the Cardinals. Cardinals are in a matchup with the Cubs this weekend. The NL Central, uh, one of the reasons it's been so competitive is because every team is losing right now. Uh, No team in the NL Central is over 500 in their last 10 games. Uh, No team in the NL Central besides Pirates has a winning record on the road. Uh, So it has been a little bit tough out there. Uh, for the NL Central uh, as of late. But I like the Cardinals to take two out of three over the Cubs and to actually start to come back. Uh, it said that I believe the Cardinals are the most talented roster amongst teams that are underperforming. I like them over the Rockies roster. I like them over the Nationals. Ugh. 
Um, and as well as some of the teams in the AL, uh, they're underperforming. Right now we're really just looking at the athletics, but as Tommy mentioned, they're 10-2 and two in their last 12. So they're even coming back to where we had seen them last year. I really like the Cardinals. Uh, they are facing the bum end of the Cubs rotation. You got Yu Darvish, who is the king of walks this year. Um, he's going against uh, Mikolas tomorrow. I like Miles Mikolas in that matchup. And then on Saturday, you have Jose Quintana, which I have never been a fan of him. I think that he is a number four, number five starter at best on a team that shouldn't really be in the playoffs. Um, I don't understand how he's made his way into this rotation. Um, He is not all that good. Um, and then the <laughs> last game, I'm not even sure if they have named starters at this point. Oh, Cole Hamels and Adam Wainwright. So it'll be like the Cy Young candidates from 2008 taking each other on, which will be fun. Um, we can check that out. Um, I think that's one that the Cubs will end up picking up. So I think that we'll see the Cardinals win the first two in the series. The Cubs will pick up the third. And I think the Cardinals will kind of start to get into a groove from there. Um, after that, they have, uh, let's see, who are they playing? Saw this earlier. They have matchups against the Reds, so I think that they can take that uh, before going back and playing the Cubs yet again, but this time on the road. Um, really like the Cardinals. Think that if their bats can wake up, uh, this is really the series that we can see some momentum shift in the NL Central. Like it. I like it a lot. Um, hey, Jordan, going back to my Fenway trip and the, the game on Saturday when we came back, you see who they that they, they go ahead double in the ninth? No, who was it? One uh, hot take from episode one: Jordan Luplo. Oh yes, oh. sorry, yes, I did see that. Because um, I had actually, by the time I had, I don't know if you want to call it, passed out, fell asleep. Uh, the game, I believe, had actually ended, um, and I'm even a couple hours behind, so not a not a midnight uh, candle burner myself. But I did see that from home. it was him. Yeah, working from home. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> I did see it was Luplo, which was, I remember, from one of the first episodes. He's actually been tearing it up lately. Uh, I swear that every time I see the Indians score more than two runs, uh, he accounts for at least one of them. So good on Luplo. His, his OPS came down a, a whole hundred points this week. Um, but, you know, he's playing good baseball also did i say saturday because my days are so messed up from this trip it was sunday it was tuesday it was tuesday my days are so messed up from being on this trip but right, uh that makes sense that wraps up episode three of gap to gap as always for seven for gordon von denham always a pleasure tommy Caroselli signing off saying see you actually short week see you see you wednesday later But you gotta put in work, 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 work. You don't gotta do the work, 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 work. Let my body do the work, 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 work. We can do the work.